Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I am your host, Perseus Poku. Uh, we thank you for joining us as we continue our study on uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, God has deposited nuggets uh, within the uh, letter of Ephesians that benefits us uh, in modernity. So we thank you again for joining us. As we said earlier in the previous episodes, the uh, book of Ephesians, the overarching uh, theme is the church, the body of Christ, uh, with a focus on unity, uh, with a focus on uh, the binding of God's church in terms of our worldview, in terms of the uh, unified message which is global, not just local, but global. So as Christians, we really ought to see ourselves as a global church um, who live by the precepts of the words that God has deposited to us. And as a result of this uh, unity of mindset, unity of purpose, we share a lot of commonalities And as Paul um, looks at this letter, or in terms of his message, he's addressing many points, but definitely uh, all the points he addresses is geared toward unity. Uh, We are one body with many members. One body with many members. And so uh, that's what we want to look at, the unity, the church, the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the extension of Jesus Christ, uh, the witnesses, the embodiment of Jesus Christ. I'm I'm using that metaphorically. Uh, We uh, basically are trophy cases, and God wishes to use us. He wants to use our lives. He wants to use our testimonies to be a witness for other people. So we don't just live unto ourselves. We live also for other people. Because uh, people need to see God's handiwork in action. It's not enough just to say God is good. But it means a lot more when they can see the goodness being illuminated through you. When they can see the goodness being exemplified through the way you treat other people. uh, Through the way that you talk. uh, Through the way that you live. Through the way that you forgive through the way that you raise up your children, through the way that you develop relationships, through the way that you keep your uh, abstinence, through the way that you keep your marital integrity, all of these things exemplify or should exemplify uh, the power of Jesus Christ, this dunamis power, the resurrection resurrection power uh, that has an impact on our lives. And we've changed, and because we've changed, other people uh, have taken notice. 
So that's just a brief introduction into our lesson today um, from Ephesians chapter 4. So the last time we uh, were all together, we talked about the uh, spiritual gifts, um, verse 7, Ephesians 4, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of, of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he leapt he led captive the captive and gave gifts to men. And this is um, citation or a repeating of a citation, which can, uh, the core of it can be found in Psalm 68 and 18. Psalm 68 and 18. So you can uh, read that for yourself when you have an opportunity. Uh, Psalm 68 and 18. So when he ascended on high, this is the quote that Paul is using. He let captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And so Paul is reminding us of Old Testament covenant, uh, the religious mindset of the saints of old. When he ascended on high, he let captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And so in the Old Testament, it's very important that uh, we understand the historicity of mankind's relationship with God. Jesus just didn't pop up in the New Testament. There's something called a theophany, T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-Y. And theophanies is the appearance of God in the Old Testament. And as part of the doctrine of the theophany, we see Jesus at work in numerous instances in the Old Testament. Uh, the angel of the Lord, as we read the Exodus third chapter, uh, we see that the angel of the Lord was present when Moses was called aside to view the burning bush. The angel of the Lord, uh, theologically, is uh, Jesus. And doesn't mean that he's an angel like the created angels. It's used in a Hebraic sense that he's the messenger of Yahweh. So the angel of the Lord, as we interpret it in the English, in the Hebrew is literally the messenger of Yahweh. So if you read Exodus, the third chapter, uh, you'll see the angel of, of the Lord calling Moses to the side uh, to the burning bush. So that's one example. Then in Genesis um, in the 18th chapter, we find Abraham uh, giving worship to what he thought were three men, but it was actually God. And we know it's God because no man can accept worship. And um, when we read John, uh, John 8, 58, uh, Jesus himself said, before Abraham was, I am. So in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus was still active. Uh, Jesus, again, is Alpha and Omega. Uh, he's beginning and the end. He's always been here. Uh, he's always been instrumental in the affairs of humanity, especially the Israelites. Uh, so he just didn't pop up in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, the great thing is um, God, even though there was an illusion of Jesus Christ, it was very uh, specific in terms of the hope that God gave the Old Testament saints. And that hope was in him by the way of the Messiah. So all through the Old Testament, 
uh, we find the references to the, to the Messiah, the Messiah's coming. In Daniel, we find that the uh, three men were put into the furnace, and uh, according to Nebuchadnezzar, the fourth one looked like the Son of Man. Again, we're talking about theophany. That was Jesus Christ. Then, uh, in Dan- uh, not just in Daniel, but even in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, we have the illusion of the suffering servant. So again, Old Testament saints were privy to this shadow of things to come. So their hope was in God. That's what saved them, uh, the Old Testament saints. Their hope was in God by the way of Jesus Christ, by the way of the Messiah. They didn't didn't have the specificity of Jesus Christ in terms of what we know about him in the New Testament, but they had the illusion of Christ. They, they, They had the shadow of things to come. So these were hints, these were preludes to what uh, we would receive in terms of the embodiment of the embodiment of Jesus. So this is why when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman in John 4, he was able to say, uh, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, uh, you would uh, want this drink of water also. And he's alluding to the uh, information that she had about the Messiah from the Old Testament. So the Old Testament saints had hope. And so what we're saying now in this passage, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Uh, Now this, he ascended, verse 9, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? And what this passage is talking about is what we find in, in Scripture, especially in 1 Peter 3.19, uh, that Christ did indeed, in between the time he was, um, he was put on the cross, uh, in between that time he was put on the cross and the time that he resurrected, Jesus went to the lower parts of the earth for what? To uh, free the saints of old, meaning that uh, he, he wanted to preach unto the saints of old to let them know uh, that uh, what was prophesied about him uh, had come true. He came to liberate the saints, of old, the saints of old. And once in the Old Testament, when an individual died, uh, they went to be in, in the holding place. And this holding place uh, is what we refer to as Hades and Show. Now, not the Hades where eternal punishment uh, is, but this is a holding place. Uh, and, and how do we know this? Because the scripture talks about it. So, Hades show um, was a place where the departed souls of all men were immediately, uh, were immediately uh, uh, sent upon death, or they arrived there. Hades functioned as a holding place until Christ uh, came and atoned for the sins of humanity. It was a place divided into two compartments. The first compartment was paradise, a place for the godly. And the second is a place of torment for the ungodly as depicted um, in uh, the, the, the story of Lazarus and the rich man. So, 1 Peter 3.19 says that the plate says that Christ preached or proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Now, we should be careful not to infer that Christ again went to the place of eternal punishment. That's, that's not where he went because the word prison and preached are used in this verse. As noted above, Hades 
um, had two compartments, and Christ went to the part of Hades known as paradise or Abraham's bosom. Uh, you can read Luke 23 and 43. It can, it can also be seen by reading the Bible that there was a gulf in Hades which separated the godly from the ungodly, thus allowing the two parties to communicate, but without the ability to pass from one side to another. Luke 16, uh, verse 26. In 1 Peter 3, 19, Christ could proclaim or preach to the spirits in prison, which is Hades, the Abraham bosom side, his victory over sin and death without having to cross over to the other side. So this is the background of redemption for the Old Testament saints. saints. And for us Christians, when we die today, we go to be in the presence of the Lord. We go to be in the presence of the Lord. And whether or not that's Abraham bosom, we don't know. But we can be assured that once Christians die, we go to be in the presence of the Lord. So as we continue reading, verse 10, uh, he who descended, descended also is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might uh, feel all things or fulfill all things. In verse uh, 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, uh, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors uh, and teachers for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So let's back up a little bit as we uh, look at these verses. So we're talking about the unity of, of the body how God, through the Holy Spirit, has given us various gifts. And each gift is important. I often tell individuals when, if you profess to be a Christian and you stay away from church, uh, it's not just um, from one perspective. Uh, what I hear a lot from people that complain about church is what the church is not doing for them. Well, it's two, it, 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 there's two sides to the story because when we join a church, it's not just us getting from the church. It's not just us receiving from the church, but it's also your responsibility to give to the church. It's not always give, give, give. Look at me. Uh, I, I'm not getting what I need to get out the sermon. I'm not getting, uh, they're not ministering to my needs. But have you started to share your gifts with the church? Have you started to uh, click in with the body? Have you attempted to um, provide your services, your resources? Have you attempted to join the body or have you just uh, floated and, and you have this mindset that the church is supposed to cater to all of my needs, but yet I am not obligated to contribute to the working of the church? It's not always uh, about us receiving. It's part of it, but it's not always about us being ministered to. When are we going to minister to others? That's the question. When, when are we going to be uh, using our gifts? When are we going to exercise our gifts? When are we going to allow the Holy Spirit to use us to bless others? It's very important that we do our part. So, uh, verse 13 
or verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles. And we've learned about the apostles uh, and how they established the um, New Testament doctrines in terms of making sure that what was already written, what was already inspired, was being told to others. And then uh, in their attempt to make sure that God's word was not polluted, uh, they sent it to their disciples and trained them to preserve God's word. Uh, Just like the apostle John, uh, John's student was Polycarp, and Polycarp uh, heard the message of the Lord directly from John. And Polycarp, as a student of John, he also had his own students, and they were able to preserve God's word uh, through the Holy Spirit. All of this is done by God. And through uh, a godly efforts, we are able to read God's word uh, unpolluted, uh, uh, untainted. Uh, we have God's word 100%. Now, sure, we have some manuscripts that have some uh, uh, errors in it, but those errors are uh, easily uh, identified and those errors are easily um, made available for us to uh, compare to other manuscripts to see where those errors are. But in terms of God's message, when we look at all the manuscripts collectively, we are 100% certain that God's word is what we have. So the apostles, uh, they, put, they, they, they performed their role. They did what they were supposed to do. Then God gave some prophets. And in terms of prophecy, there are uh, two types of prophecies that we should uh, be cognizant of. There's a prophecy of foretelling. And this is what the Old Testament saints did a lot of is foretelling, F-O-R-E. T-E-L-L-I-N-G, foretelling uh, the ability to speak what God has given us uh, based on new revelation. That's really the essence of foretelling. So when uh, Isaiah uh, talked about uh, Christ's um, atonement, uh, him being uh, persecuted, him, him being wounded for our transgressions, him being bruised for our iniquities, uh, the chastisement of, of our sins was upon his hands, and, and by his stripes we are healed. Uh, his whole writing about there'll be no comeliness that we should desire about him. He's basically prophesying many years in advance of what Jesus will be going through. That's foretelling. There's precision. There's accuracy. Uh, there's fulfillment. Foretelling. This is a proclamation given by God himself about things that have yet to happen. Now, we are in the New Testament, and the best we can do now in terms of prophecy is forth-telling, F-O-R-T-H-T-E-L-L-I-N-G, forth-telling. And this is basically a proclamation based on what can be proven by the scriptures. The danger now is uh, when somebody says, I have a new revelation, if it can't be backed up by scripture, then that person is likely a false prophet. Deuteronomy 18, if someone says something that does not come to pass, they are a false prophet. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, there's a gentleman 
we all know well, uh, he lived in California, and he prophesied for the longest that the world was coming to an end. Um, it's been about two or three years now, and many people sold their properties, and they went to go live on this land, waiting for uh, the return of Jesus Christ, waiting for the, uh, the, the world to end. And time came and went, and he was proven to be a false prophet. He collected numerous amount of money. He collected uh, numerous amount of attention. But at the end, uh, he embarrassed himself, and he had to admit that his prophetic, prophetic utterance was wrong. So uh, the only type of prophecy that we can have as Christians now is forth-telling. So when people say that they are prophet this, they are, they are prophetess this, uh, we need to make sure that we test the spirit by the spirit. Or what they're saying, uh, can, can that be found in Scripture? Can that be found in Scripture? Uh, is it biblical? So even the things that I'm saying, you need to make sure that you go back to the Scriptures and make sure that it's accurate. All of us ought to be Bible students. All of us uh, ought to be lovers of truth. And we have a mandate by God himself to test the spirit by the spirit. So, yes, uh, there's two types of prophecies. There's foretelling, which uh, we see through the prophets of old and even the apostles. We see foretelling, F-O-R-E, versus foretelling, F-O-R-T-H, which basically is proclamation, which can be backed up by Scripture. It's very important that we keep that in mind. Uh, Do not entertain people that come and say, I have a new revelation, and that revelation is inconsistent with Scripture. This is how people uh, get hurt. This is how people are led astray. This is how people uh, get turned off by religion and especially uh, by Christianity. Uh, We see that all the time. Uh, David Koresh, uh, the branch of Davidians in Texas, we saw that. Jim Jones, definitely, we saw that. Uh, and and uh, we saw what happened in Guyana. So uh, it, this is not uh, something to play with. When someone claimed to be a prophet, uh, we need to make sure that they're not talking about foretelling, F-O-R-E, but they're talking about forthtelling, F-O-R-T-H. And whatever they say must be backed up by the scriptures. So God, He gave us apostles. He gave us prophets, then some evangelists. And um, this is important. All of us have the ministry of reconciliation, but uh, God has called uh, specific people to spend more time uh, going around to share the euangelion, the good news of Jesus Christ. The euangelizo is the act of sharing the good news. Um, God has called some people uh, to do that in terms of their full-time ministry, and so we must support those individuals. We must encourage them. We must pray for them, but it does not mitigate our responsibilities to also go forth and share the good news. So that's Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to continue this study on next week. Uh, We, again, thank you all for your prayers. We thank you all for your donations, and if you have not become 
uh, a sponsor, we ask that you go to our website, srministries.org, or P.O. Box 582-306, El Grove, California, 95758, and to uh, uh, consider supporting us as we continue to train for Christ. Remember to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.